0: This morning, we're going to be continuing in our series on one another. And I'm going to be talking uh, about be humble toward each other. And I'm going to be taking my my uh, text out of First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. I'll read that in a little bit. But as I was thinking about, you know, bridging into the topic about uh, Humility, well, you know, probably if you've read anything in Scripture, there is kind of a direct kind of a contrast between humility and pride. And I will confess this morning, yes, you're having a confession this morning, that when it comes to pride, I'm still a learner and I'm still in training. And I still sometimes suffer with with pride and and I, I was thinking, you know, Adeline and I are, we're, we're getting close to retirement age. I, I think, you know, I'm mid-60s almost. And and uh, I think, well, when did I get old? But apparently it happened. <laughs> And, uh, and so, you know, we've been thinking about, well, where are we going to retire and, and about retirement funds and will we have enough? and we, No, we're not worried about it. And God is, I, I will just say to you, God has blessed us. We are, we do feel really blessed for, uh, financially and with plans for the future. And most of my retirement savings is, is, is as secure as it can be either in the Alliance Retiro Fund or in the denomination I worked with before with the Mennonite Brethren Conference of churches in Canada. So so that's where about 98% of my savings are. But a number of years ago, we were given this option of, it's called the tax-free savings account. If you don't know about that and don't use it, you should look into it. And, And when it came out, and actually just a while ago, I decided I should learn how to buy and sell stocks. And especially I had heard about electronically traded funds. And so pride error number one (laughs) Uh, I actually didn't want to learn about how to do it I just wanted to get the incredible investment gains that could be reached through doing something like that learning about it not so much you know and so I started, at least this was something I did, I started small and careful, and I, I've invested in a couple of little things here and there. But a little while ago, there was this great, you know, you've heard about the, the, this a sure thing, right? You know, and, and so I found this this emerging speculative stock, and I thought, wow, this is exactly where we're headed. And so I invested in it. And, you know, its track record looked great for the week before. (laughs) So that's pride error number two. You know, don't look at the short term of things. You better look at the long term. But you probably are gonna guess where this story is going. So I invested in it, and in five days, the share was worth 25% more than when I invested in it. (laughs) Pride, Pride fall number three. I came back to the office and I shared my windfall with one of my staff members whose spouse happens to be a financial advisor. <laughs> and I was saying, you know, did you see this thing? And, and and the comment I received was, well, he may not be able to do that in the short run, but he's got a great long track record. And uh, so I am now owned this fund for about Three months, and currently it's dropped by 55 percent. <laughs> so, pride lesson. The next pride lesson, I forget what number I want. <laughs> Cut your losses when you can still can. And so, when it had gone down 10 percent, I should have been at least wise then and gotten rid of it. But I didn't. I held on, knowing it's going to go up. Uh, it went down, uh, and and so. Error number four, the last one. I should have just handed over everything to an investment manager who's done the research, followed the tested strategies, and understands investment principles. But no, I'm still holding the stock. So if you're like me, we still struggle with pride, and I still struggle with it. I still think I have the inside track on things sometimes, and I know the best way, and I get into trouble. As we're looking at these one another principles, there's a number of reasons why we're looking at them. The first one is all of them are very powerful personal principles. They're all full of God's wisdom because they're all rooted directly in his word. They're things that God wants us to know and he wants us to actually practice them and that's why he put them in the Bible for us to know them. Secondly, that they're all community principles. And they are all principles that we can and we should practice as a church. They're all valuable in themselves as personal principles, but they're multiplied when we practice them together. And that's why they're so important. And then finally, they are all kingdom principles. They're all ways in which we can work towards achieving Jesus minister sorry mission of extending his kingdom into the lives of people that don't know him yet and kingdom principles are not just adjustments to the values and the principles of the world around us principles like our topic today humility is actually a a complete opposite to the value that most of our our world holds and that is the value of pride And you know what? Pride is something that we struggle with. It's prevalent all around us. And pride is so prevalent that even Christ followers, we find ourselves either hitting potholes and, and creating messes in our lives or else falling full on into sinkholes of pride that completely engulf our lives. And all of us are living in the world. We're surrounded by values and principles of our society and culture. And you know what? It is really easy to adopt these principles. And when we came into the kingdom, we all brought stuff in with us. We all brought practices and habits and principles in with us, but God's principles are available for us. And if we're willing to listen, and if we're willing to learn, and if we're willing to follow, he'll teach us and he'll use us. And so this morning, I wanna turn our attention to first Peter and the letter to first Peter is actually not all that different from some of the things that we are seeing happening in the world around us right now in in Western Europe it is it, Europe is currently experiencing the largest disenfranchisement of people uh, the largest loss of homes of people since World War two in the history of Europe The people here that Peter was writing to, they were scattered because of persecution. They were being pursued. And you know what, they needed encouragement. And Paul's letter to them, it's one of encouragement. The encouragement, hold on to your faith. And the second encouragement is, stick together. And this seems to align with the fracturing and the challenges that we've experienced so much over the last two years and now as we're seeing this displacement of people in Europe and how desperately people are going to need to be there for each other and you know what though we are far away from the war right now how God might help us to support and provide care possibly he might ask us to do some things in big ways but you know what very likely he might just ask us to do things that we can in the little ways that we can the important thing for us is to be available and to say yes we will listen and we'll do what you ask of us our whole series of one another's has been focusing on this one thing and that is if we're going to stay strong and vibrant in our faith living in a world that ignores and even opposes our faith if we're going to participate with jesus in his mission of building his church we need to hold on to our faith and we need to stick with each other i'm just going to read from first peter and i'm going to start at chapter 5 verse 1 in my reading and uh, we're not going to go quite as far as the text that might be up on the screen but uh it says it begins peter says to the elders among you i as a fellow elder a witness of Christ's sufferings and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care serving as overseers not because you must but because you're willing as God wants you to be not greedy for money but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves there under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Paul addresses three different groups of people here. He addresses people that were in the positions of of elders or leaders That would be kind of the equivalent of pastors in our churches today But would also include the elders of our church and he addresses younger people and then he addresses all of us But I think that there are some lessons in each one of these layers that Peter addresses First of all, he says to leaders leaders I want you to be examples of those that you're leading, and you know what? To be examples, to make that the priority of what we're doing when we're given a role of leadership, that takes humility, because our natural tendency is to try to draw attention toward ourselves. When we do good, we, we like to say, "Did you see that?" That's kind of the natural, the norm. To to lead and and to to be an example. Of Christ that actually requires humility and the attitude of leadership in the church Peter says it should be that of a shepherd and an overseer and so a shepherd's one and only role is to guard and protect the sheep that he's been given care over and the role of an overseer is actually to act as a steward of something that belongs to someone else And as a church, this church, this is not our church. This is Jesus' church. This is God's church. We're overseers in it. We're here to to serve. And then Paul kind of juxtaposes, he kind of contrasts attitudes and ideas of the world and attitudes of the kingdom. And he says, look, guys, in your leadership, He said don't do it because you feel like you're forced into doing it no you know nobody else would take it so I guess I have to he says no he says do it because you're willing do it because you're willing and he says don't don't serve because you're greedy for money so in, in the churches back then leaders they did get paid they were reimbursed they were they were given payment he says don't do it because of the money he says but be eager to serve and he says don't lord it over the people who are under you he said but be examples to them and so these kingdom principles they kind of just pop out the principles of willingness of serving of examples Matthew chapter 20, Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, The Gentile leaders, like, these guys are cruel. They're taskmasters. They lord it over people. He says, but not in the kingdom. We do things differently in the kingdom. And the kingdom principle for leadership is whoever one of you wants to be great in the kingdom, you must become a servant. You must be willing to serve. And that's humbling. He addresses younger men. He says, young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Now, Peter challenges younger people to submit to those in leadership. But really, most of us are in some kind of a relationship where we are under the leadership of somebody else. You know, this past six months, uh, they have been an education that I never anticipated. I have the privilege right now I'm I'm able to I'm working under the leadership of our transition coach Bob Claxton and I serve as a kind of an information liaison to our board of elders and also to our staff but I'm also tasked with with developing some new approaches and some new strategies. And at times we, you know, we meet together every Thursday at 8 o'clock for a Zoom meeting for one hour. And I, I got to admit to you, after that hour, my head hurts. <laughs> There's so much new, thing, new information and new stuff. And, and I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hydrant as I'm trying to absorb new approaches and new things. But you know what? It's, it's worth it. It's going to be worth it we're going to emerge better we're going to have a new set of tools that are going to help us as a church to achieve jesus purposes for gpac even more than we've been doing in the past so we're all under someone's leadership so submission actually applies to us all but you know what submission requires humility the nature of our human condition is to resist authority we come by it naturally you know and, and I want to just say if there are some of you that are young people young adults here this morning that this is actually a lesson for you that you know during the your years of youth you know these are years of figuring out boundaries and questioning authority and testing limits and figuring things out and setting a path I want to just say to you you would be wise to have one or two people who can share their experiences and lessons that they've learned with you so that They can help to protect you from some unnecessary fails and falls in your life and also even help you to set up and have a head start in developing your own set of principles and values for your life. You know, when I look back to when I was in my early 20s, if there's something that I could change from how I lived my life back then, it's really clear to me, I would listen more. I would listen more. And then Peter goes on he says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility. He says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward another, because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, clothing is something that tends to define our identity, our culture, sometimes our age, uh, sometimes whether we're part of a different group or an organization. in my closet at home, I have a, a, a blue serge suit. You, if I, I've served as an RCMP chaplain for 18 years, and all of us are very familiar with red serge uh, that the RCMP wears. For officers, they have a serge suit, but it's blue. And when I go to official functions, and if I put on that blue serge, and I go to the banquet or the function, immediately i am recognized as a ranking officer though i'm not you know as a, as a chaplain we're just volunteers and we serve as volunteers but because i serve in that role and because of the recognition of my role i'm immediately recognized as part of the organization i'm already recognized as being an officer of rank now that's the only place i can wear that uniform i can't wear it to church because i'm not a sworn member and so i can't wear it anywhere else except when i'm there and so it's not the identity that i wear with me it's not something that i that i show off to people it's just when i'm with that group of people it identifies me that's what clothing does and so paul says he i'm sorry paul peter says and he's being very particular here he says clothe yourselves when we clothe ourselves it's like covering ourselves it's like completely immersing ourselves and and we're doing it with humility and you know what that is powerful because humility is a driving force in the kingdom of heaven it's one of the most important characteristics of those who are in the kingdom of God and humility is a clear demonstration that we are people who live by faith in God rather than By principles of this world, which is self interest. And so when Peter writes here that God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud, it's because God does actually set himself against and opposed to proud people. This is a clear warning about the danger of pride. You know, pride always sets itself up as center. And pride also refuses to submit to God or even to acknowledge that there is a God. You know, pride was at the very center of Satan's temptation of Adam and Eve when he said, You know, God knows that if you eat from this tree of good and evil, he says, He knows that you're going to become like Him. Now, that was half true because they didn't know about sin and evil until they ate from the tree. And when they ate from the tree, they immediately knew what they had done was wrong, that they had sinned. And and so it was half true. But the promise that he gave them, he said, he doesn't want you to do it because you'll become like him. And that was the lie. And because of pride and because of self-interest, they ate the apple. And all of us have paid the price. You know, pride is an offense to God. And God will always oppose it. It's not like God doesn't quite bless us as much, or doesn't accept us, you know, completely if we're being prideful. He opposes. He resists. God's very first commandment was, you shall have no other God before me. And when we're acting in proud, we are making ourselves God. We are putting ourselves in the center. Isaiah wrote this. He said, "The arrogance of man will be brought low, and the pride of men humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day." And that happened to the nation of Israel. You know what? <laughs> having God against us is not a good idea. King Belshazzar. Uh, his king his father nebuchadnezzar had had conquered this vast, vast territory and Belshazzar followed him and and had the reign and the rule over this vast territory and in his arrogance he had a huge celebration and he brought out all of the shields and the plates and all the gold and the silver that they had stolen from the temple and he brought it out and they ate out of it and they used it and they desecrated it and then suddenly a hand began writing on the wall and he was white with fear and someone says don't worry king we know the we know a guy (laughs) Daniel and he can interpret stuff like this. So he called Daniel in and he said, look, I'll give you all kinds of presents and gifts if you'll interpret this thing for me. You know, Daniel looked at it and I'm I'm guessing he knew immediately exactly what it said, and he's thinking, do I open up my mouth? But he did, and he said, okay, king, this is what it means. He said, you have been arrogant, you have been pride, proud. He says, tonight, you're gonna lose your kingdom you're going to lose your life. And that night, the Medes and the Persians uh, overtook the, the, the nation, and he was killed that night. King Herod, who was a king over the Jews, placed there by the Romans, another arrogant, proud, prideful man. And at one point, he had done something great, probably reduced the taxes for people, and they were worshiping him as if he was a god. And, and Herod accepted their worship. He accepted their praise. Broke rule number one. There's only one God. And a couple of days later, scripture says in the book of Acts that God sent this disease and he was actually consumed from the inside out in a pretty horrific death. Now, we might not experience anything as drastic or as immediate as that, but if we choose pride and focusing on ourself, you know what? That's all we're going to get is our self-aggrandizement we're going to get into unnecessary messes in our marriages our families we're not going to feel deep fulfillment you know god may actually give us emptiness and frustration instead of satisfaction with all the stuff that we heap up all the things that we do that draw attention to our name but you know what one thing that we will do is we will miss out on his blessings in our lives we'll miss out on the deep satisfaction of god saying well done Well done, you're on track. I'm pleased with you. And most importantly, if we continue on the path of pride, we will miss the reward of heaven itself. So if pride is the foundation of everything that's sinful, then humility is the foundation of all that's godly and honorable. And you know what? One of the things that I want to say to begin with is humility always takes the form of a servant the direct interpretation of the greek word in this verse for humility actually means a knotted apron and the primary images are that of a servant of that of being lowly and in the greek culture of asia at that time that was considered to be disgusting and despicable Uh, self-aggrandizement and self-achievement, that was what they worshiped and praised. But you know what? The, the idea of an, of an apron, a knotted apron, that should probably immediately draw our attention to something Jesus did on the night before his death. In John chapter 13, it says, so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And then after he was finished, he said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The most significant role in humility is to be willing to be a servant. And secondly, humility puts other people's interests before our own. Philippians chapter 2 tells us what it looks like. He says, do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look after your own interests, but also look after the interests of others, having this attitude in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Friends, we're not just responsible for ourselves. We're responsible to look after the best interests of others that God has placed in our lives. C.S. Lewis wrote this, he said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. You get it? Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, it's just thinking of ourselves less. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. And then finally, humility is an expression of deep trust. Humble people treat everything as if they are stewards. It's God's, not mine. But then God turns around and he gives it back to us to use for our benefits and for his purposes. And to enjoy it. And to bless others with it and into this kind of an attitude peter says and god will pour his grace into our lives and then he goes on he says humble yourselves therefore under god's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time and the due time that peter writes about here it may be during this lifetime but it may not it certainly will be in eternity We just need to always continue remembering God plays the long game. And in the long game, our lives are just a fraction of time in comparison to eternity. There's something much, much bigger that's coming. Earlier, Peter encouraged, he said, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And Jesus told the story of, uh, of a, um, a wealthy man who was hosting a banquet and he invited guests and, and one of the invited guests, he said, a guest comes to the banquet and he said, if, and if you're the guest coming to that banquet, now you have to understand that in the culture of their time, every seat around the table had significance based on people's status. And so he said, if you're invited to the banquet of this wealthy person, he said, don't go to the front to the head table and grab the best seat. He said, no, instead go to the lowest seat that there is and sit down there. And he says, and then when the host comes walking in, he's not going to come up to you and say, what are you doing in that seat? You don't deserve to be there. No, he says, he's going to come up to you. He's going to put his arm around you and say, friend, what are you doing sitting here? I have a place for you right up next to me at the head of the table. And that's what Jesus said that we should do, that we we need to live humbly, putting God first, putting others first, and we will receive a rich reward. We will get an honored seat at his table. And I want to just encourage you, God keeps track. And his timing is perfect humility is all about faith it's about just being willing to submit and then believing that he's going to be worthy and he's going to be faithful to us do you trust him to do that I want to just kind of close with a couple of comments just about the power of humility the first one is this humility releases us to experience the joy of full dependence and trust in God, you know what? People that are, are stingy and proud, uh, and and looking after their own their own interests, often what goes along with that is fear, anxiety, fear of losing everything, anxiety about the future because it it could get worse. I better hang on tight, and and and, and so that's how pride how pride people. Sorry, how proud people live. But those who actually really trust in God, they actually are able to enjoy dependence on God. Knowing that God says, I will provide all of your needs out of my riches. And knowing that he cares for us deeply and that he will be there for us. And so when we keep God first, when we focus on how and who he wants us to, to be and to serve, we learn to trust what he has for us, knowing that it's good. And then secondly, humility values our equality. Three things about equality. first thing is we are all equally valued. God loves every one of us and i believe that god loves us completely there is no shadows or shades in love with god in fact first john says god is love and so he created us god had created us all with the image of god imprinted and stamped on us we are all image bearers of god we have value we are all equally loved we're equally valued by god and then secondly we are all equally broken And I think when we realize that we're all equally broken, we will tend to be more gracious with each other's faults and failings. And and I was having a conversation uh, this last week with somebody. And as they were telling me something that I knew was difficult for them to be sharing with me, their eyes kind of went down. And I could see, oh, shame coming in. But I was able to share with them, you know what? that was my experience when i was your age too i've been there i've done that and god loved me and he still loves me and he loves you too and so i think that when we recognize that we're all equally broken we will become much more gracious in helping to pick each other up we're all equally saved nobody had a head start in salvation all of us needed christ's death on the cross equally and humility will help us to become much more passionate about sharing our faith with others. I hope that there are going to be many of us who are going to have somebody that we know. I know somebody who can use an Easter hamper. I want to pay for it. I want to deliver it. This is going to be great. I'm going to invite them to come to our worship Easter service. And folks, I can tell you they're planning a really special service. It's going to be a great one to bring your non-Christian friends. But I think that when we recognize we were all equally in need of a savior, then we will recognize that everybody else that doesn't know him yet is someone that we should be passionately following to see if we can get them to accept Jesus. And then thirdly, humility understands the vital need for our interdependence. God designed us to need each other in order to stand firm in our faith together. In verses 8 and 9, Peter wrote, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. It gives us the image of lions prowling around. Now, if you ever watch anything about lions, lions, what? they're smart. That's why they're the king of the beasts. Uh, They're smart in what they do in trying to find food because they look for animals that have separated from the herd because a single animal by themselves is far easier to attack and kill than if you go against the whole herd of wildebeests with really sharp horns. They look for the sick. They look for those who are injured. And, and, And they look for those that are lost and outside of the group. You know what our, our job as a church is to stick together to protect each other and if somebody starts drifting off outside of the group it is to go in and, and to and to gather around if just even one of us just to ask them invite them and, and draw them back in so that they're protected because the enemy that's his strategy is to divide and destroy and and that's what he has been doing ever since the beginning and he continues to do The same thing. And then fourthly, humility celebrates the the diversity of gifts. There is no competition in the kingdom for the gifts that Jesus gives. In verse uh, 3 to 7 of of chapter 12 of the book of Romans, I think it's worth reading this this text because it's really powerful. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that's been given to us. And if a person's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Friends, we are made to be interdependent our gifts are interdependent and nobody's gift is better than somebody else's gift but we need all of the gifts in order to be able to accomplish what jesus has planned for us to accomplish as a church and fifthly humility demonstrates the heart of god As we have been looking at these one another's, loving and giving and forgiving and confessing and sharing and blessing, all of these one another's, they come directly from the heart of God. See, the characteristics of the the church, they come directly from God's own character. And people will be drawn to a church that demonstrates God's heart and then lastly humility comes with a reward in Peter's instructions to the older leaders there's a promise of reward for faithfulness of shepherding the church he said when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away that is Jesus encouragement to us all and you know what during this last two years Of the pandemic, living with COVID and restrictions and frustrations. You know, some have pulled back from attending any church at all. Some have moved around because one church was practicing things one way, another church was practicing in another way. And some have lived in fear. Most of us have lived with some frustrations over this last while. Uh, Some have left our church and gone somewhere else, and some others of you have come and joined us. Here's what I want to encourage us all in. We all need each other. You are needed, and you need God's people. We need each other. We need what God wants to bring to his church and to our world. And you might sometimes think that what you've got to offer is insignificant, But if you offer what God wants you and asks you to offer, he'll multiply that together with the rest of the gifts that others bring, and he'll make it powerful. There's a world living right next door to us that desperately needs to discover and encounter the heart of God. And and God is drawing people who don't yet know him to GPAC. I've met a number. There may be some of you here today with us who you don't actually have a relationship with God through Jesus yet welcome here God is drawing people I believe that God is calling us to be examples to serve to speak to share his good news and as people come and as we go out into the marketplace to be examples of servanthood and humility A couple of us on staff over the last couple of weeks we've had contact with a woman who called me about three weeks ago and I had an hour long conversation with her at the time. And then we were gonna meet together to pray with her and she didn't show up and so I waited for about a week and a half and I gave her another call. And after I gave, as I gave her that second call, we talked for an hour again and, and, and folks, her life is messed up, like it's really messed up. And, and, and she is she's experiencing some things because of a cult uh, organization that she got involved in. The enemy has gotten a hold of her life. He's got her so messed up. Her statement to me was finally, she said, I am doomed to hell. There is no hope for me. And I was able to say to her, you're believing a lie you're believing you were told a lie when you were told by that group that you were receiving Jesus and the holy spirit that wasn't Jesus that you received in fact it was a demon i said you're not doomed jesus can heal you he can free you and he can give you hope in your life we're hoping One of my female staff members is is trying to follow up with her. But you know what? There are many others just like her around our community, around our city. Folks, I just want to encourage you today. God will use humble people to demonstrate his heart to the world around us. And for that, God will pour out his grace. So I just want to encourage you.